We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's the True Faith Newcastle United podcast. Newcastle United versus Liverpool this weekend. Saturday night, lads, 1945 on the telly. What an occasion it could well be. Uh, this is your free patron taster podcast. We record this podcast every single week for our patrons who pay about £7 a month for about 20 shows extra per month. We're also supported by Fansbet, the unique gaming company who give 50% of their net profits back to good fan causes such as the True Faith podcast and others. We're going to jump straight in. We've got a massive show today. Myself, Alex Hurst, Michael Collin, Ben Wade, Simon Campbell to talk about a, a seismic game for many reasons. Obviously, the context of the game isn't particularly our league position, but Simon Campbell has it hit home yet that this is most likely Rafa Benitez's last home game as Newcastle United manager. Or do indeed you think that? Do you think that he's going to stay? Is he going to go? What does this Saturday mean to you? I think you're right. I think it's been a huge distraction, the fact that it's Liverpool, the fact that they're in the title race still. Um, it's almost passed everyone by that this is technically, uh, as as far as Rafa's cur- current contract is, his last game. His last game is in James's Park. And um, my view on it is, is is we've actually been here before. We've been here for um, Spurs, the season we went down when Rafa first came. He was only meant to be there for six months and then we didn't know what the future held. And it was an opportunity for the whole stadium to unite and how much we wanted that bloke to stay at the club. And um, we kind of did that, didn't we? That Spurs game was memorable for so many reasons, Musa Sissoko being one. Um, and we sang for 90 minutes about Benitez, and it, I, we, we came out that I think we'd made a difference in his decision, and I, I still think we did. Um, we were there again last season when we played Chelsea because Benitez was furious last January after not being backed in the transfer window again. He looked like a bloke who didn't want to be here for vast majorities of that season. And then come the last game, we had this brilliant match against Chelsea and the crowd was different again and everyone was dead happy and singing his name again. And again, I think that might have just been the persuading factor in him sticking it out for another year. So here we are again, Liverpool at home, last last home game. Um, Benitez has still got a decision to make, which I don't necessarily think he's made. I think we know what he wants to do. We think we know what needs to happen for that to happen. But I also think this game and how the crowd and how it goes will have another impact on on his decision. And it's it's huge for this Newcastle fan base it's huge for the club because there's there's two different directions it goes after that and I think we know what they both are it's going to take some atmosphere though isn't it to uh, turn around this time in my opinion I think Rafa is at the end of his tether and you know I I personally don't think we can do as enough, enough as a fan base this time to, to turn his opinion around but sorry right we're on the edge the precipice of a of a 
you know, the fucking Grand Canyon this time, aren't we? If Rafa goes now, unbacked, and we're bringing, as we've said all along, Owen Coyle or someone of a similar managerial ability, we're, we're snookered for good and we'll not come back from it this time. So it's desperately, desperately sad that this is what we're looking at. But hopefully we can just let him go out with a bang on Saturday. Three points, massive atmosphere, loads of piss jollies. Yeah, I'll, I'll echo that, Mickey, and, and Sai, you're right that we have a duty as a fan base to repeat what we did in May 2016. Those of us that turned up for the game, by the way, not looking at anyone in particular in this room, Michael Collin. Um, and, uh, and, and yeah, I also think you're right, Mickey, that we could sing the Blade and Races for 90 minutes, we could sing all the songs under the sun, and that's not going to make Rafa Benitez work with the constraints that are being placed upon him seemingly by the club. Now, let's, let's look at some facts here. What does Rafa Benitez want to do as Newcastle United manager? Well, he wants to compete in the top 10 of the Premier League. He wants to have a go at trophies. And one of the things he's, he's pushed home most consistently is he wants to get his transfer business done early in the transfer window. Um, yet we're in a position where I assume that because these demands, if you want to call them demands, were put to the hierarchy of the club, what, months ago? That the first time they saw them, they were like, are you, are you taking the piss? You want transfer business done early. The Cup's top 10. This is Newcastle United. We can't do that. And that's the thing. Rafa Benitez looks at what Newcastle United can do rather than think about what we can't and, and who we can't compete with on a financial level. And Ben, I'll bring you in on this one. Just if you look, about, if you look at the resources that Rafa's had compared to the teams just above us on the table, Everton, West Ham, Wolves... Why do you think the club are so reluctant to just allow them a little bit more leeway, a little bit more control over transfers, and surely we can at least catch that little group up, you know, below the top six? In my opinion, what do you think it is that's holding up the, the signing of this contract? It's crazy, isn't it? You think the resources that they've given to some of the past managers that couldn't even shine Rafa's boots if, uh, if you put them on. Um, I think a lot of it is probably the, the mistakes that have happened in the past. I think Rafa's paying for McLaren's mistakes with the money he spent. Um, the, the managers before that, Pardew and whatnot, Allardyce even go back as far as that. Um, I think Ashley Sally's thing has burnt too many times with the jokes that we've, we've had uh, in charge of transfer policy in the past. And I think um, there's an apprehension there of, of can we afford to, um, to, to make any more because we are on a, a shoestring budget. Um, I think... the well, in terms of what he's been given, yeah. Um, the other side to it is the fact that Rafa's probably done too well with, with the budget that he's had. So um, it's something we've said a few times. If you look at what resources he's been given and the results he's got out of that, then there's not really any incentive for them to, to give him anything. I mean, £3 million on Shaw this season is probably the best deal this season in terms of the output we've got from that player. I mean... <laughs> He's not just a class defender, he's scoring goals, he's had some seismic sort of moments in, this, in terms of the way our season's gone and that he's had a massive influence on. Um, and I think as well, there's always just that, that nervousness. I mean, you saw with the whole how long it took for the armour and uh, deal to go through. Um, for the armour on, you've got a Kennedy. So Kennedy was the big one after last season where it was, we were talking about we could sign this player for 20 25 million, whatever was being quoted. Um, and he looked really good last season. If you'd have spoken to any of us last year, we would have said, nail on, got to get him in, brilliant. Fast forward to this point now, and the kid's not kicked a ball properly uh, in, a, in a few weeks, and I include last weekend when he came on for a little cameo. Um, so it's just, 
I think it's that nervousness of one bad mistake can set us back so much more than anyone else. And it's that threat of relegation. We can't afford to, to, to get relegated again. The, ment the mental thing is, though, is that they've got Rafa Benitez, who's uh, just will go into the nth degree of, of detail to make sure that he, he knows everything about the players that he's bringing in. He's going to do it in a certain way. Um, I mean, I think a lot of it just comes down to the fact that they're, they're just idiots. They don't know what they're doing and, and think they know better, unfortunately. I'd love to know the the Premier League like chairman who's able to be in, like speak to the Mike Ashley Charney said, "Oh, what went wrong? Why did you get relegated? Oh, we we'll tried to finish eighth. You know, I wish we'd I wish we'd try to finish lower down the league. That would have been all right." Um, and you, you're spot on, Ben, with the the kind of diamonds in the rough, like the Fabian shirt. Even even you know throwing a Florian Lejeune eight point nine million quid. That that bloke injuries aside is, is a thirty million pound defender. Um, that, you know there are countless examples. Even the likes of Isaac Hayden, who's not had a great season until very well till January, two million quid. This isn't the Premier League. This isn't Rafa Benitez is, is is in my opinion, and I'm not an expert on his career. This is his best job in football by an absolute mile, turning this team of of you know average to good, but mostly average Premier League or Championship players into a, a top ten competing side or close to the top ten, being absolutely magnificent. I mean. Mickey, in your opinion, we may as well get some honest answers now. Is there any chance of this being done? Mark Douglas on social media this week said he was told, if it's not done by Fulham, don't panic. But I'm already panicking. I've been panicking for a while. I think every, every single day this drags on, it makes it less and less likely that it's going to happen. So we're now looking at, what, five weeks? Six weeks, is it? Um, and, until D-Day. If Rafa leaves... Newcastle on the 30th of June without having signed the contract. Obviously, obviously, then it's finished. In my opinion, we're basically there now. There's no reason since we secured safety. There's no reason at all that that that, that contract wouldn't get sorted. Then there's, Charlie's got nothing else to do. Literally, has nothing else to do other than sort this contract out with Rafa, and he hasn't done it. So I think, I, in my opinion, it's probably already done. You guarantee there'll be a two-week Mike Ashley holiday in there, followed by Lee Charlie's two weeks holiday. Um, <laughs> The, the thing that worries me more than anything is that uh, the very first time we did all this after we got relegated, uh, Benitez was sat with them for two weeks with lawyers and all sorts. So he thought he had it airtight. He, he thought he had it in writing, legally sorted, and they've still managed to fuck him. So that's what worries me is that what else can he do to take these people at their word, which is clearly just meaningless? That's, that's a scary thing. They can give him all these kind of guarantees, but... You cannot believe a word they say, and um, Kevin Keegan would, would say the same thing. You cannot work with these people, and unless something changes about the, the relationship like entirely, and I don't see how that happens. So, yeah, I'm terrified. It's, it, I'm sure at the time when, when we had this previously, it was genuinely written in the Rafa's contract that he had certain things that he was allowed a, a certain amount of control over. That's kind of been forgotten about, and no one ever really talks about it, which, which is weird. Um, is, was that right? Or? Yeah, I mean... That was most likely he has final say over transfers, which he does, and that's one of the things hanging over the club, that if he isn't given a new contract, there's nothing to stop Rafa Benitez having the final say on transfers until his contract runs out on June 1st. <laughs> so they say, they, by just people you read, um, professionals, that Rafa is potentially using that to his advantage. And before we get into the, the game, which we're here to preview, I just want to put to you three, and I've, I've sat here and, and listened to some things you've said, let's... Let's not just do the easy thing and, and, and assume that 
they're idiots or they don't know what they're doing. And you say Lee Chong, he's got nothing to do. And I know where you're coming from because in terms of context of things, he's got to sort out things at the top of the pile. There is none bigger. But it, but in you know realistically, there's the day-to-day running of the club. There's the two European rugby finals coming up to St James's Park. There's commercial deals in the last final in the final 12 months of the contract. So there, there are other things going on in Newcastle United. But you're right. Don't give a shit. I was going to say they've, they've got the Don't care. Well, my question to you was going to be what. I th- I think that they want to keep Rafa Benitez, albeit constrained by their mental model, which got us relegated at least once, arguably twice. We definitely got relegated twice, of course. But I mean, in terms of this, this buy young, sell on, maximum value bullshit, which you know they were spouting in or Ashley or Wise, whoever was talking about in two thousand and nine. Nothing's changed since then. What what do you what what do you think they're hoping will happen with Rafa by by? keeping them going this long what, what do you think they want to keep them to is it is it as simple as not signing a Solomon Rondon or is it is it more of like we're only going to spend 30 million every summer that type of thing like what, what do you think the club's position actually is right now I suspect that the club are absolutely dead set on their on their youth policy and they won't let them sign anyone over over x years old and I think that's that, that's probably the the defining part in it Rafa's always said and I, I, I tend to believe him on it that he he doesn't want a fortune. He doesn't want. A, he doesn't even want X amount of pounds as availability this summer. He just wants to be able to control whatever the money is being spent on. So I think they are dictating who he can sign and, and constraining it too far. So he, he said he wants Rondon. He said he needs experience. I think they've said no, and I think that's their line in the sand that they won't cross, and that's what I think is is holding it up and will ultimately cause it to expire. Expire. Yeah. Good. Good word. I think it's not that cut and dry. Terms, but I don't think it's it. So, I mean, for example, he was sanctioned to sign Daryl Murphy, who's a 33-year-old player in the championship. So I don't think it's about the age, but I think it's the fact that they want maximum selling value. Now, you probably managed to sell the Daryl Murphy deal in that it was 3 million quid or something, 4 million quid, wasn't it? And uh, 33 years old, you, we ended up recovering that because he's a championship-level player and, and we got... We got money from when we sold him, and they knew it was going to be a one-year deal. The problem I think he's got with Rondon, and we all know how good Rondon is, but the problem is, is you're going to have to pay 20 million for Rondon now. You're only going to get 10 million from him probably when we're ready to sell him, or five million, or whatever. Or we might not even sell him; he might just retire after that. And I think that level of investment to have now back for it and potentially it fail is what's holding them back from sanctioning it, which is stupid. Do you agree with that? Can you see where they're coming from? Of course not. It's absolutely mental. But that's how they're, they're, they're thinking. I think I'd also add to that is he, he obviously, Rafa understands that we're nowhere near the top six. He understands that there's no really amount of investment that Newcastle can feasibly do to, to get us into the top six. The way to catch up to the other clubs and even the, the top eight, top ten is to also start producing your own talent, which we don't do. So he's, he's very passionate about doing something with the academy, making Newcastle into a club that produces football players. And it looks like they're not really that keen to to see that through either and you know these are the things he wants to build a football club he needs all these things the transfer policy the transfer control as well as the club doing the right things in terms of making the place into a football club that produces and tries to get better at football but they don't say it like that it's just it's it's just a numbers game for them well i mean we've got to become that world class uh, rugby um host haven't we for these two games coming so that's obviously clear on the mind i just think for for that as well i mean <laughs> you, you asked us a question about ronda there the the, the point is is that the, the cost of... So they can't see that the value of staying in the Premier League mentally, 
which is all they're bothered about is staying in the Premier League. But that they're ignoring the fact that it takes you have to put some in to stay in the Premier League. It's not a God-given right, or it's not something that you you can guarantee. I mean, you look at some of the sides that have been struggling the last couple of years. So look at Southampton, for example, who had the similar model for a long time, get all these players for the youth system, sell them on, and they were doing brilliant for a few years. They got a couple of decisions wrong in terms of the player personnel that they were bringing in. And now they're, they're the last couple of years, they've been one of the worst teams in the league. And you can't really see how they're going to turn that around now. Um, they've, they've gambled massively. So the, the club need to not worry about the sell-on values and just say, who are the best players we can get to make sure we stay in the Premier League for, for next season? Because they're, look, they're trying to look too far ahead. We're not in a stable enough position to, to be worrying about that. We need to look on a year-on-year basis. And um, Rafa Benitez is far more qualified to um, tell them who, who's going to help secure that than anyone they anyone else that could potentially uh, ask to, to advise on that. Good points, Ben. Um, one thing I'd just like to say, and I raised this point on the, the free podcast on Sunday, um, like Rondon's not that good. He's just good because we're shit. Like, I like him, don't get us wrong, and I think we absolutely need to sign him, but I don't think, you know, in my ideal world, Salman Rondon getting kind of nine, ten goals a season isn't where I want Newcastle to be, and I'm sure Rafa's the same, but... That's the thing. He's trying to build for something. Like you say, give us a three-year contract. At the end of those three years, we might be the seventh best team unequivocally in England. We're going to have a look at the top six. And instead, players like Salomon Rondon are deemed too expensive for Newcastle at the minute. And that's a real shame. We're going to crack on, though. Uh, Obviously, we've got loads more coming up on the manager's future on our um, Patreon podcast. So... Have a listen if it's uh, if you like what you hear. Mickey, Liverpool are after the title. Um, how asked you about that? Do you think it would be nice to get revenge for 1996, if you can call it that? Um, or are you only concerned about Newcastle United on Saturday? Um, you know, the football world will be watching. Does that give you a bit of a kick? So, how bothered am I about Liverpool chasing the title? Not, not very. Um, it could be anyone else in the league and I'd want them to win the title ahead of Man City because I cannot stand them as a club. So that's I have some investment in this title race because of that, because I because I hate Man City, but how much do I want Liverpool to win the league? Not no more than basically anyone else. You know, they're they're a decent club, they're quite like us, they've got working class fans, they're you know, they're they're proper football supporters. It's a, a football mad city split between the proper football fans and the Scouse Maggams. Um so you know I, I do like them, but I'm, I'm not going to cheer them if they win the league. I wasn't one of the people that stood up and applauded Steven Gerrard when he when he had that tremendous performance at Newcastle because he's playing against Newcastle. And at the, this weekend coming, Liverpool are playing against Newcastle, so I, I care about how Newcastle play. Um, now, it's slightly different this weekend because I kind of don't really care about how Newcastle play either. I just want to go at the match and shout about Rafa and try and do my little bit if it could possibly work to get him to stay but you know my my focus this weekend is not on um is not on Liverpool and Liverpool's title chase it's on Newcastle in terms of looking for revenge for 1996 I was too young to experience any of the like real disappointment in the fact that we didn't win the league that year but looking back at it you know we we were part of one of the best games in in Premier League history and in football history um it went against us but it wasn't that game that I look back at as, as a as a as an adult now and think that game cost us the league. So I don't think we need to get revenge on them. I don't think anyone our age really thinks we need to get revenge on them. But then you speak to people that were there or people that were really heavily invested as we are now in Newcastle at the time and, the, and they all want revenge. So I kind of fluctuate on it thinking like my dad will be foaming and he'll want revenge. So I kind of want it for him. But, but ultimately and really, no, I don't... Um, 
I don't feel anything like that. I just want Rafa to sign a new contract. That's the top and bottom of it. Um, now, having the eyes of the football world on us is a different question because that stirs something in us. That's something that I think we should have anyway because Newcastle United are a massively well-supported one-club city football club that, that could be and has historically done some really interesting things in the game. So you look back at the, the time when Robson was manager, we... we qualified for the Champions League after losing the first three games with the first team ever to do it. People used to notice Newcastle. People used to know about Alan Shearer all around the world. People used to know that we played attacking football. Everyone knows us as entertainers. There's fans all across the world that started supporting Newcastle in, in the 90s because we were class at football. And it's really now disappointing that the eyes of the football world are on us because Liverpool are playing against us. And we, we could be anyone else in the league. I find that really disappointing. And that is something that Mike Ashley has caused at this football club. And there's there's no two ways about it. It's it's sad. I don't know how you lads feel. No, I agree. My my thoughts on this is that it's really really small time to start thinking about this being a big opportunity, like upset the title race. Like that, that shouldn't be Newcastle. You shouldn't see it as a big thing that we might be the ones to upset the title race because we're so far away from it that we it doesn't really matter to us. Um, I mean, we've already done it anyway. Yeah. This is, uh, this is just the opportunity for Newcastle United and Rafa Benitez just to remind the world that we are a big club and that we're, we're here capable of competing with these teams that are fighting it out for the title. Not, not because we want to upset the, the race, but because we are worthy of you know, being sort of going shoulder to shoulder with these teams because we are a big club. Um, Benitez will absolutely see it that way, and I, and I see it the same way. It's a chance to measure ourselves once again against the, the top team in the league and see, and see how we get on and show that we're not actually that far away from it with this manager? I don't know, I don't know the show I was listening to on, on Five Live, but one of the hosts was like putting out to the callers, do you think that Rafa will go easy on Liverpool? It's like, how oh, am I? Like, you're getting paid for this. Like, is it like as if? Do you mean, and even if in some weird way the manager of a football club wanted his ex-club to win a game, like... As if the players and fans, especially at home, would just be like, "Oh yeah, no problem, Gaffer." Like, <laughs> right? Like Liverpool. Let Let's be clear. Liverpool have the ability to humiliate us this weekend. Not that that is neither here nor there to them. They need the three points. But in terms of the playing personnel, they've lost fucking one game this season. That, that in itself is quite scary in a in a supposedly competitive league. And I know this is a very Twitter argument, you know, you know, he's, Klopp spent no money and then people say, but he spent this, 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 and this. They are, they've built a team, I think Klopp's been there three years, he's built a team um, where Guardiola has obviously, as Mourinho said this week, in the first year he was there, he did shite, blamed the fullbacks, went out and spent £200 million on fullbacks in the summer, um, on four separate fullbacks, you know, so that there's all that to come into it, but... And, you know, Sai, you're right, and I think the fact that Liverpool could really do us a lot of damage this weekend will see us, you know, highly defensive, highly cagey, and Rafa will want to go out on a high. If this is the end, he will want to go out on a high, and let's face it, we can match last season's points total this week. Again, I feel a bit dirty saying that, because when I was growing up, and I'm sure many of you, when you were growing up sporting Newcastle, you weren't thinking, oh, this week we're going to match last season's points total. Get in. Like, no one gives a fuck in reality. It's all, it's all mid-table. Um, there's staying up, and then there's not. So, you know, that's all we've done, stayed up. But we can't beat that and kind of show that continuous improvement year on year. And, you know, there's opportunities there for players, and it's not just Rafa Benitez. Will this be the last time we see Matt Ritchie in James's Park? Will it be the last time that you see Martin Dubravka at St James's Park? Because it, you know we all concentrate on the manager. There is such an overhaul required of this squad. The vast majority of it, having competed in the championship nearly three seasons ago, 
that you know it, it, it's supposed it should be a transformative summer in Newcastle in, a, in the most positive way, and they should already be planning for that. And instead, we're still pissing about trying to you know <laughs> sort out the final de- the final details of of whether the manager can sign a, a centre forward who's thirty. It's uh, it, it defies belief. But on the game itself, Ben. Oh, sorry, so I would like to jump in. One last thing, because I've seen a lot of this. Oh, what would would Benitez not like? You know, take it easy for Liverpool. Like, why does he want? one of the managers that's replaced him to win the league when he didn't like I don't understand if it was me I'd be like desperate to make sure that a different bloke didn't achieve what he didn't when he was there it's just I don't understand anyone who thinks that Benitez would want Liverpool to win the league with a different manager I think Rafa Benitez is a far better man than you Si and he would love Liverpool to win the league like I think he'd be absolutely buzzing for all his friends his family you know the network he built up um, he lives in Liverpool but I, I get what you're saying but uh, I think he, he's probably all in on Liverpool but we don't know we're speculating I want to come to Ben now and Ben you know this game can we actually do anything we've got so many key players out uh, Lascelles and Perez featured in training today so that was positive um, but you know Lejeune's out Longstaff's out Almiron's out I mean we aren't the best team you know on a, on, you know, on, on a good day normally let alone without the three best players is there any chance of us getting a good result and what is a good result for you? There's always a chance because I mean <laughs> I mentioned the Man City sort of uh, before, but that result was ridiculous. Nobody gave us a chance. Nobody. I don't think even any of the fans in the stadium would have would have thought that team could pull that off. But they obviously believed they could, and Rafa believed they could. Um, and he's he's that much of a, a tactical genius that he he'll have a plan for everything. He'll have a um, so, something in place that, depending on what what how the game goes, he knows how he, he'll want things to to look and how to set up. So yes, we'll have got a chance, of course we'll have. Um, it's obviously going to be very, very difficult because we've got, as you just said, a number of players and I think um, Almiron's a massive, massive miss. Just the, the the way the team plays with him in it. Um, we're a very, very different, different kettle of fish. I mean, the weekend you saw Atsu obviously came in for him and, and me and Mickey were quite um, disappointed on the, the first listen of it, of just how, how we dropped off in terms of our attacking intensity and the... Um, the way we played, it was it was way off, and I think if we turn up and well and play Liverpool in in that manner again, I think we will get embarrassed, um, as you say. But I think having let slip, and I, I honestly believe Rafa will have been into the players after that second half against Brighton, another game where we've we've sort of switched off. I mean Southampton, you could um, argue we we did similar in the second half in terms of switched off. Obviously, we still got away with the win in that one, but um, I, I think Rafa will be thinking, I'm not going to allow the players to keep making these mistakes Liverpool obviously uh, got some brilliant players and they're, they're going to cause us a lot of problems but um, you know the way we're going to play we're going to sort of play with the, the back five uh, two home midfielders and we're, we're basically going to be there to try and um, disrupt them and then it's going to be a case of a counter-attack game Liverpool got great defence got a lot of pace in, uh, in there but at the same time they're not invincible they've, they've struggled in, in games at times and they've had issues where they've got away with stuff um, depending who um, partners Van Dijk, I mean whether it's Lovren or Matip, um, they're both liabilities. There's, there's opportunities there to, to, to get at either of them, um, and there's a hell of a lot of pressure on Liverpool. Like this is the biggest game of their season, the biggest game of a lot of those players' lives. Um, so there's going to be a hell of a lot of pressure on them, and they know what's at stake if they don't pull it off. And that that's going to play into it. at some point. They're going to get nervous at one point, especially the longer the game goes on, and we can keep it tight. Um, that's going to get to them and, and I can see the mistakes starting to come into their game as, as they try and push and, and panic so um, it's going to be difficult um, but 
the the, the game plan will be there from Rafa to, to to sort of get get an, a positive result out of it. Yeah, I totally agree, and um, it's 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 back to basics, isn't it? And it's back to you know we need we need a bit of luck, like we got against Man City. We need to play at the best of our ability, and we've got to hope. Ben, you you, you mentioned the word pressure there. We've got to hope that let's let's like we did against Man City, even though we were two 0 down after however many minutes, one minute. Yeah, that was it. <laughs> Um, one nil down after one minute, you know. When, when, when we got when we got the equaliser on fifty eight, we were in that game on fifty eight minutes. We we're in the game on an hour, and I think that's probably going to be the same this time. Let's try and stay in the game as long as we can, and then have a bit of a go the last 10, 15, 20 minutes. There are there aren't really any players from the bench who can influence too much, and we saw that on Saturday. That was an issue. The forgotten man scored against Liverpool before. Big Hoss off the bench. <laughs> And I suppose that, I mean, we're nearly finished uh, this podcast. We've got a, a chat coming up with uh, Lizzie Doyle of the Anfield Rap, which I've pre-recorded. You know, lads, over and up, team selection, is it the same? Is it, is it John Joe again against his old club? Does, does Big Mo come in? Does Key come back in? I mean, selection issues, anyone want to take them on? I think we'll definitely see Key in instead of Shelby. Um, Shelby's a bit too much of a luxury player. And uh, I said on the, the show we recorded... The first lesson it was, I said, Shelby did not take his chance in the game against Brighton in a perfect game. So I'll be gobsmacked to see him in. I think he'll be put in there because he's just full of beans, full of gas. But he has the ability to use the ball, which we're going to need time after time after time. Whenever we get it, we're only going to get one chance to make a key pass. Um, yeah, there it is. Uh, so we need someone that's got that ability, which I don't think Diame has, as much as I love him. Um, Hayden has to start centre field because... Well, Alex doesn't agree, I don't think, but for me, he does. He, and he, and he, and he will, yeah. Um, other than that, the team kind of picks itself, doesn't it? I wouldn't be shocked to see Mankio in uh, rather than Yedlin. Um, Rafa seems to have found found that as his, his go-to at the minute. I, I wouldn't be shocked to see Dummett at left wing-back instead of Richie and have Richie in a more attacking position, which is out of nowhere. But because, because they're going to be attacking so much against us, I, I feel like... We could have we could have more use for a proper defender in at left back. We're going to be playing two left backs. Paul Dummett and Matt Ritchie will both be left back in this game. Um, uh, yeah, Mankio seems to have had favour recently, but because of Liverpool's pace, I wouldn't be surprised to see Yedlin come back in just because that's all we've got. We're going to be so deep, but Yedlin's the only like chance of recovery if they're getting behind him because he's fast. Um, I also, if Modiame is even close to fit, I think he'd start ahead of Key. I think he's just going to want all the workmen in there because the only way we get anything out of this game is if we can manage to keep them out for the first 30, 40 minutes. As Ben said, frustrate them as long as possible. If they score an early goal in the first 10 minutes, we're fucked. We're going to get absolutely battered. I think I would bring Yedlin in because you're right. His recovery speed against Liverpool last year was crucial, I think, on like three occasions in the home game. But also, if we are going to be as defensive as we are, we'll probably need Yedlin's pace on like as an outball. Um I would play Modi Army. I just would, would get him in when you We know he's a coward. You know, he can go and win all the titles he wants wherever he wants in the world. We, we know the truth about Gini Wijnaldum. Very talented footballer. Well, he, well, he might. Ben said, has he won out? I don't know. But we know the truth. We know what he did when he was here. And I want to see Modi Army get stuck in. Um, I would probably play Diarmi in key. But like you say, Hayden will probably get the nod. It could be like Isaac Hayden's. It could be all three of those players last game with St. James's. Um, <laughs> And you know Hayden has been fantastic since he since he came into the side in January. And, you know against Southampton last home game, he, him and him and Key played really well in the main. Um, so yeah, big one for me, lads. Ben, I know you want to say something. Big one for me is Muto. 
Um, I'd like to see Muto given a chance in the Christian Hatsu role. Uh, you know, if we're going to see Perez, which hopefully we will have to see Perez, they'll definitely risk him. You know, let's give Muto a shot. Let's let I think pace. You know, you're talking about Lovren, you're talking about Matip. Yeah, Van Dijk has got all the pace in the world. He has nowhere near the pace of an Almiron, but unfortunately, we're not going to get to see that that duel. Um, I'd like to see our fast players in this one and really stretch Liverpool on the rare occasion that we do manage to counter-attack or get the ball forwards quickly. Yeah, it's just to reiterate, <laughs> passing the battle, I would have failed, uh, dropped that, I think. Uh, somewhere. Um, yeah, just to reiterate, I mean, it's obviously going to be dictated on the, the fitness of the players. So you, you said uh, Lascelles and um, Perez are, are training, but obviously how, how they're feeling at the weekend will be key. I mean, if, for example, Perez wasn't playing, you would think it would be Muto would come in and, and play that that role uh, rather than Richie. I sort of understand where you're coming from. Mickey. Not there. You were getting some disgusting looks off the other two, but uh, I can see where your you sort of thought process was there. But um, I agree. I think Richie's industry and the playing that left wing back this season's been invaluable, and I can't see Rafa sacrificing that to to have him wasting his energy run chasing lost causes up front. So I think he'll definitely be be playing left wing back. Um, I think yeah, it's a good shout with the Muto one because I think Atsu again. It was I was just really disappointed with his his performance against Brighton because um, that was a real opportunity for him to come in and, and play the Almiron role, and he's got a lot of pace. Um, but he, he ju- it's just that that final end product, uh, which is is nothing new. Um, he still just makes bad decisions at the wrong times. He never really gives us any attacking um, sort of a, a threat. Um, and I mean, it, it was a ball from Paul Dummett that was sort of the one bit of quality in that game for us. So, um, Atu, I, I, I hope he doesn't stick with him. I hope he does um, he bring Muto in. And, and if we get Muto, Rondon and um, Perez is the front three, then I think we can create uh, problems and, and get our sort of opportunities um, when, when they arrive. So, I think I agree in terms of the midfield. I think it'll be Diame and Hayden. He's going to go for the power and he's going to want to, to shield that back three um, as much as he can. Um, and I, I, I can't see him bringing a Shelby or I mean Key maybe come on um, as the game goes on when we start to potentially get more opportunities for getting on the ball but I can only see really Shelby for example coming in the game if we're, we're getting battered and it's it's a case of right we've got to try and take the game to them but I don't really see see, see that happening to be honest so yeah Right I will call it there Um going to leave you now with my chat with Lizzie Doyle of the Anfield Wrap from the Liverpool perspective first of all uh, last of all lads get some quick predictions from you Mickey do you want to start us off 1-0 tune very optimistic what a start I think we'll get beat 3-0 Ben you've just been talking all the chances we're going to create (laughs) and how we're going to be a threat on the break and all that Um, (laughs) I'll go for a hugely encouraging 1-1 draw, which obviously totally messes up Liverpool and uh, will be a, a lovely end, potentially, to Rafa's time at the club. Um, hope I'm wrong. Hope they get it sorted out. Either way, we'll be back to talk about it Sunday morning on the next free podcast. Do give us a, a try on Patreon. Loads of extra podcasts each week, like the lads kept referencing the first listen. Most of you probably don't know what that is. That's a podcast we'll put out immediately after the final whistle. Uh, literally about 10-50 minutes after full time uh, so get involved and uh, if not we'll be talking to you on the free pod out next Sunday, how are the lads? So Lizzie Doyle joins me now from the Anfield Rap to give us the Liverpool perspective towards this massive game of football this weekend uh, Lizzie thanks for coming on the show, I'm dead grateful um, first of all this is this is quite the week isn't it for Liverpool Football Club? 
it's been quite the week for the, the past year, I'd say, the past <laughs> season. Um, it really is quite the week. It, we're running off time now to potentially wrap up this league and two games left and, and both games are really difficult ones. You know, loads of people will be saying Liverpool are the favourites and understandably so, but we're also a little bit edgy about the idea of Newcastle away uh, on a Saturday night. City don't play till Monday. I think that's a good thing. I think we... When Liverpool play beforehand, we we get our three points, hopefully, and then we put the pressure back on and we say, go on now with Jordan. And they've got to play quite an informed Leicester who've just battered Arsenal. So it's a huge week. Uh, my nerves are gone. I'm, I'm trying to tell myself that I'm accepting seconds, um, just like the damage limitation, but it's really, really difficult when there's still uh, 180 minutes of football left to play for both of us. Definitely, definitely, and obviously, you, in between this game, you've got you know the Champions League semi-final, which again is, is huge games of football. Um, what you know, obviously, the, the we're, we're chatting before this uh, before this game tomorrow night against Barcelona. Is the the Liverpool fans? I know you, you can't speak for the whole fan base, so I'll ask you: Do you have a you know? Is there a preference on the game where you think, well, you know, let's just get through the Champions League semi-final because the weekend's bigger, or does it not really work like that? You have to appreciate that me and the people listening have no context for Champions League semi-finals, <laughs> these kind of fixtures. Um. Do you know what? It's mad. Usually, I think Liverpool have had to prioritise um, because we haven't had the squads, we haven't had the players, but we're, we've got so far now in both competitions that we just can't give up on any of them. And now is not the time to rest. We've literally got four games left with a potential fit at the end of the glory, um, you know, on the 2nd of June. That's all we've got left for the rest of the season. You can't be resting players. Um, at this stage this is what you're in it for for me uh, as a football fan and to be honest as the players as well those players should be thinking you know we are very realistically going to win one of the two trophies that we're left in and, and, I, and I really do think that I do think it might be more the Champions League but you know if City drop points and who knows what could happen in the league it literally is not over till the final whistle in the league for me because uh, literally anything can happen and, and as much as I think it's unlikely you just don't know so I'm, I don't feel like I'm prioritising it and I don't feel like a lot of fans are but what I will say is in the best way possible because we're so desperate to win this league the Champions League plays a little bit of a oh, I don't want to say background I'm not come, trying to come across cocky but because we've been so focused and so nervous about winning this league the Champions League just being sort of plugging away in the background and then all of a sudden we get, you know, we struggle through the group stages, we get Bayern Munich in the last 16 and all of a sudden you're like, oh, all right, okay, we're playing Bayern Munich and then we go away to the Allianz Arena and we beat them 3-1 on their own ground and then you get to the quarters and we're playing Porto, we played last year and we battered last year and we thought it won't be a repeat of that because you, you don't no more just gets to the, the quarterfinals and then we battered Porto and then before we know it, it feels like it's completely passed us by before we know it. We're facing a semi-final against one of the best teams in Europe, against the best player in the world. And I just think it's really exciting at the minute to be a Liverpool fan. Oh, definitely. And I suppose my next question will be, and it's a hard one, how have, how have Liverpool got to this stage in such a short space of time? If you look at last season, I mean, you know, last season, Champions League final again, but finishing 25 points behind Man City that's a huge huge gap to make up in such a short space of time on Man City what do you think the main difference has been uh, from Liverpool say, this season compared to the previous two under the manager so last season I think I think the biggest 
asset to Liverpool has been Virgil van Dijk. And I think if Virgil van Dijk hadn't come in uh, when he did in January last season, we probably wouldn't have got to the Champions League final. But what Klopp has done is he's shored up the squad a bit more. You know, he's given us depth. And I think the introduction of Alisson, I think we, we've been lacking a world-class keeper um, since Pepe Reina. And I think you look at the top six sides and all of them have good keepers, but we didn't. So Alisson's come in and really shows up our defence along with Van Dijk. Um, our full-backs have improved. Um, and then, like I say, we've added depth to, to other areas in the pitch. You know, we lost our state Chamberlain through, through injury, but we brought in Fabinho when we got Naby Keita. And we also got Shaqiri, who people might forget about, but he, actually, he, he made an impact on our season. Um, and I think the front three is just the more football that they play, the more ruthless and the better that they get. So what I think is he's brought in the right amount of players, but not just about how many he's brought in, he's brought in the right types of players. Um, and I think the fact that we just keep, we've had quite a lot of football at quite a high level, I think is only doing good things for, for this side. And I don't know about yourself, I mean, I mean this, this might come across terrible. Like, I want to win every competition um, possible. I want to win the League Cup, I want to win the FA Cup, I want to win the, the League, and I want to win the Champions League, just like every football fan. But in January, when we went out in the FA Cup, I don't want to call it a blessing because we could literally finish the season with no trophies yet again. But to me, it felt like we, we, we couldn't fight off more than we could chew, if that makes sense. So yeah. City is such a big squad, so many players, so many numbers, that they can literally compete in all four competitions, whereas I don't think Liverpool could, but we're competing in, in the, the most elite two. So... Yeah, I think that, like I say, the introduction of a couple of players, but keeping the squad together, I think, is a big achievement in itself. Excellent answer, and and like you say, I mean, we uh, we'd love to to be able to compete in more than one competition in the Premier League, but it uh, it doesn't happen for whatever reason. Um, and yeah, that FA Cup exit, you know, I think I think the media made a big a big deal of it at the time, losing to, you know losing to Wolves like you did, but you've just gone. I mean, was that probably the last defeat? I think in any competition, um, was that, yeah, was that, it was. yeah, and that was yeah, ages was. ago. <laughs> um, I mean, moving moving on to the game this weekend, obviously you'd have to be very confident. I mean, the f- the form of both Liverpool and Manchester City is quite frankly, you know, like something from a a, a different domestically. You almost haven't seen this in the Premier League before. I mean, ever since we beat Man City, they've won every single Premier League game, and it feels like a, a lifetime ago to me. Um, since we did that, you know, do, do you think the fans are, are are looking at this game thinking Newcastle's a, a tough one because of what we did to Man City, or is the confidence so high that you, you almost expect to win every game? Um, it's quite a tough one, I think, because we I, I found that a lot of Liverpool fans looked at Southampton away in, in in the same way as they're looking at Newcastle, and it's, these sides are a little bit unpredictable on home ground and, and you're looking at the time of the game as well so it was a Friday night at Southampton they were dead up for it and, and for them it was actually a bit of a relegation battle where does yourselves are safe now so um, but we we know Rafa Benitez as much as we love him and as much as he loves us we know he loves to win a football game and he's very professional and he'll do what he can do to win a football game and I think I, I, I am worried. I, I'm worried about every game, and, and what I keep saying, as, as mad as this may seem to yourselves or to other people, is for me, it's not necessarily the opposition I'm worried about. So I treat Chelsea at home the same way that I treat Newcastle away. It's more about the points on the board rather than who we're playing. I'm more worried about dropping the points rather than who it's against. If that makes any sense at all, 
yeah. know that we're better, but like I say, anything can literally happen. And, and this is not this is not an easy game. It's a game where we should be better, where we should win. But um, you know, Newcastle have got an upset in them. You, you, you really do. And the only thing at the minute I'd say that is sort of making me feel a little bit more confident than before is the idea that your well, sort of your front three a little look a little bit discombobulated in this game. Um, so I mean I don't know. It looks like Perez might potentially be out. Is, is that is that confirmed? Or? No, he he's hopefully playing. Um, but but Almiron's definitely Almiron's out. out. Yeah, that's a huge blow. Yeah, it's a huge so, blow. The, I mean the, they've been on form. Perez is is really on form. But um, I think against our back four it might just become a little bit too much of a challenge for them. So I, I do expect to see points, but I do not expect to be an easy game at all. Nice one. Uh, Lizzie, thanks so much for your time. I really appreciate it and uh, best luck for the rest of the season. And you. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.